0: Hey, welcome to the Lifehouse Newport News Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring life change through Christ to all people, and we believe that happens when people say yes to Jesus, do life together, get in the game, and leave a legacy. We hope this podcast inspires and challenges you to grow in your faith. Subscribe to ensure you don't miss a single episode and share it with someone you know who may need it. Again, thank you for joining us today. Now let's get to this week's episode.
1: We are starting a brand new series. Uh, take this job and love it, man. Um, I've I have never had this much. I feel whenever we put that we were doing this series out. I've never had so many people say, "You don't know how much I need this right now." Yeah. And uh, I think because you know, here's the thing. Even stats show that and share that. Of I mean, first off, just just this. It's you know, stats say the average. U.S. citizen will spend at least 90,000 hours of their life at work, like average. So that's, so. here's what that doesn't include, you worrying about work, you stressing about work. This is just you physically being there, not you being there emotionally or psychologically in your thoughts. Like this is just you physically being there. So that's about, you know, they say between 11 and 13 years of your life is going to be spent at your job. What they've said is that over forty percent, between twenty-six and forty percent of people this year will switch jobs. They're sick of being, uh, of being, name it, underwork or, excuse me, underpaid, overworked, not enough vacation time. I <laughs> what? I heard that. See, he, he walked in with a baby. He like y'all just saying, got my new baby in hand. I need a race. You know, uh, yeah. <laughs> I love you, Parrish. Good to see you here, brother. Yeah, man. Um, but but he's saying even beyond the stats, right? Let's just go beyond the stats because stats don't tell the whole story. I think if we were getting down to a personal level, some of you would, would you would say now say I think one of these situations is going to is going to describe you. Like you, this is not like this is stronger, but you hate your job. Like, you literally feel every day you are not, you, like, you are being sentenced to a prison instead of being sent by God. Like, you, you just flat out, like, you, you hate your job. For some of you here, you are overworking, and it's literally killing you from the inside out, the outside in, whether it's psychologically, emotionally playing itself out in destructive habits, or, you know, it's like, you know, it's just like, it's, it's. It's wearing you down and killing you. For some of you, you have no purpose at your job. It's literally like Groundhog Day. It's like you go, you show up, you put in your time, and you, just, you literally show up and leave like, why did I even do this? Or it's just the check, right? It's Groundhog Day. It just feels like drudgery. For some of you, you love your job. Like, you love your work. And you, like you absolutely love it. But the thing is, though, is that you love it so much, you're finding your identity in it now and so it's not just something you do it's who you are and you would even say things like if I lost this I don't know what I would do I can't imagine losing this or or you you love it so much that it's actually become a drug-like substance to you that you do it to get away because it keeps you from dealing with kind of the other parts of your life that you know are not working so you spend hours at work because you can't work things out with your spouse you spend a bunch of time at work because you don't want to deal with the stuff that's going on in your own heart. It's, be, it's become a distraction from real life. But you love it and you work hard at it. For some of you, you see work as kind of like this necessary evil. Like, you're like, Monday through Friday, go to hell. <laughs> but the light dawns at four o'clock on Friday. and I see it shining as I get into Saturday. So you are kind of that Monday through Friday, hell, Saturday, like you work for the weekend. You work to get through to just get to the the weekend, and you see it as kind of just a part of life. Five's going to suck, two going to be great. Work for the weekend. And really, I think when when we sum up all of those things that I just described, that I'd probably say 90% of you would fit into one of those things. The, the truth is we have an unhealthy relationship with work. Yeah. We have an unhealthy view, vision, perspective, relationship of work that, that is not helping us become more like Jesus. 90,000 hours, you need purpose. 90,000 hours of your life, you need vision. How does all of that stuff fit into you being a disciple of Jesus? how does all of that stuff fit into forming you and shaping you to be more like Jesus which is the goal of your life as a Christ follower so in in this series man we we wanted to start this process we we wanted to have this discussion this talk of of how do you take your job and essentially learn maybe not real like but but learn to love it and see it the right way and really the reason we do sermon series is cuz we can't do 3 hour sermons a lot of people wouldn't stay for that so <laughs> We understand that, so we try to break a whole three-hour lecture-ish kind of like, you know, thing into kind of biteable chunks to where we say, okay, so here's the thing. Right? We're spending four weeks on this. So what I'm saying is, is make sure you, 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 you either come each week in November or you check out the podcast if, if you can't be there. Why? Because all of these messages are going to build on themselves, Okay, so just to say, you know, we understand you travel. Da da da. Make sure you, you catch the podcast. Make sure you catch you catch you you catch the the messages as you're going, because every because each message is going to build on itself. Okay. Now now, now the thing with that is I get the joy of setting the foundation. Okay. Now it's typically setting setting the foundation is one of the most uneventful uninspirational parts of building a, a home. Everyone wants to pick the cabinets. Everyone wants to pick the flooring. Everyone wants to kind of pick all the, you know, the fun stuff. But today, I'm going to lay a foundation for you. And here's the thing, right? I'm going to be giving you information that I pray will lead to this. Inspiration. But then there is a part where you have to actually do what you know and are inspired by and actually do obedience. So you, so you, so you can experience ultimately what... What Paul said in Romans 12, that we would be transformed. It says, do not conform to what? The way of this world, but be transformed by what? The way you think, by the renewing of your mind. So today we hope to lay the foundation where we give you information that we hope will inspire you. But then there comes a part where you can take what you hear today, and you know what you should do, and you just got to do it. One of the things killing Christians is not information. We have more Bible translations. We have more information available to us. We, we, we always want that kind of like monster drink, energy drink, insp- inspiration. But there comes a point in time where we just have to actually go and do it. We can hear what Jesus says, know what Jesus says. But until we actually do it, some of us are being really, really hindered in our discipleship because we just don't obey. It's not because we don't know. Some of you are trying to find that inspiration, but what I pray today is to is to set this foundation of information, give you some inspiration, but it's gonna come a point where you're gonna have to put it into practice so you can ultimately see the transformation that you wanna see, especially at your job. Are you ready to dive in? Would you stand up with me? We're gonna pray. You're like, are you serious, John? We're standing up again. Are we Catholic? What are we turning into here? <laughs> no, but at the same time, we we, we do see power in drawing what I call line, line in the sand prayers, where you're, you're basically saying, I'm having a point in time where I am saying, God, I, I'm available for you to speak to me. Like I view this time here as literally holy moments where you have, like thank you for setting aside time to be in the presence of God, to sing songs, to hear, to hear God's word. And what our prayer is, every single week our staff prays, God, would you take the five loaves and two fish we give and would you multiply it to bless people today? So I sincerely believe today that, God, that you are going to encounter God and that God is going to speak to you about your work no matter where you find yourself with it. Hating it or loving it. All right? Lift up hands with me. We're going to pray. There's going to be a prayer on the screen here. I'll start off praying and you can join in with me. All right? Spirit of God, open up my ears to hear my eyes to see, my mind to understand, and my heart to discern what you want to speak to me today. You have my full attention. Amen. You can have a seat. You ready to dive in? All right, Genesis. We're starting in Genesis. Such a big shock. Y'all, you guys laugh because you, like, I feel like every sermon series we do, we start there. Because there's a, there's a reason, there's a root to why we are the way we are. There's a root to why we function the way we function. There is a root to why we crave certain, certain things. There is a root to why we struggle with certain things. And a lot of it can go right back to Genesis, which simply means what? Beginnings. And Genesis, as a Christ follower, should give you a lot of comfort. Why? Because you crave to know where you came from. Science might do a decent job of telling you how, but it will never tell you why. You can have a scientific equation where you get the right answer, but that will never tell you like why you're on this planet. And what I love about Genesis and as Christians, we have a direct way to know where we came from. It, w- it, was, it, w- it was not in the beginning, bang. It was in the beginning, God. We have a creator that had a good plan, a good purpose, and Genesis helps us see ourselves within a bigger story than the one we have. So we're going to start in Genesis today, and we're going to actually go through four specific verses in Genesis to kind of help us lay a foundation for this Take This Job and Love It series. But C.S. Lewis had this great quote that I believe summarizes why we need Genesis, like why as Christians we need to like almost start there and work ourselves from that, because the thing is, is, Genesis didn't just happen, it happens, right, like the fall, when Adam, Eve, sinned, that didn't just happen, it, it is the story, not of just them, it's the story of who, us, it doesn't just tell us what, right, I know, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself, but here's the thing, C.S. C.S. Lewis said this here, put that quote up, it said, God made us, invented us, as a man invents an in engine, A car is made to run, this guy's British, so he put petrol, okay? A car is made to run on gas, and it would not run properly on anything else. Now, God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn, or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. That is why it is no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about himself. God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. God invented you. He knows you. He created you. And in the same way, when your car screws up, what do you, what do you typically, you go to the owner's man and say, what, what is going on here? That is what we're doing when we say, Genesis, help us to understand, right? So so. Here's the thing, four specific verses in Genesis that we're gonna talk about and glean the foundation for this series. First off, Genesis 1, verse 31. It says this here. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was what? Very good. So, and y'all, you guys do this too whenever you make a good meal. (sighs) Ah, That was good. If you were there Friday at the Friendsgiving, Vern made a meal. And it was very good. Right? It was very, 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 very good. Right? Guys here, you create a you create a home project. You do so, you build something, you stand back. That looks good. When I cause the only thing I can do is pretty much is pretty much cut the grass. So I cut the grass. I can't build anything. I can't build Legos. Right? So I'm just like, I sit back and I'm just like, look at the grass. It looks good. It was like, it's like God looked over what he had done, and he said that it was good. Whenever he created things, he said, created the earth, it's good. See, here's the thing. In Genesis, we don't just see what God did, we see who God is. Let me say that that one more time. In Genesis, we don't just read what God did, we read who God is. He is good. That he created the world not out of a cosmic battle between gods. The world was actually created out of, the, out of this overflow of love from himself. You see, even the Genesis creation account with, within creation accounts, especially during, especially during that time thousands of years back, looked dramatically different. Because creation accounts in that time, it was mainly the gods warring in the universe. And the world and people were the byproduct and basically the consequence of God's, of god's warring. And it was just like they vomited out earth and people. But what we see in Genesis is we see there's a good God who was, who like, was a God of love. And he created people not because he needed them but because he wanted to overflow onto them the love he has within himself, within the Trinitarian community, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so basically, he created people, overflowed them, so they could experience his goodness. And here's the thing, Christians all the time fight over the book of Genesis. was it seven literal days. And if you've been in the Christian culture, you know this is true. Is the earth 6,000 years old? And you got Ken, you got Ken Ham, you know, he's kind of the Christian apologist for this stuff. He's like fighting and telling you, yeah, da, da, da. and then you got some Christians that they're just like, at the end of the day, in the beginning, God, how the other, Genesis was not a science book. It was never written nor created to, to be a scientific, it was, to, it was to essentially do what? Tell us what God did and show us who God is. And when we stop fighting over Genesis details and things like that, and we just start saying Genesis for what it actually is, it's a creation account of God creating, and he is a good God that created out of the, what? Overflow of love in his heart. We see God's nature and character that he's good. Genesis chapter two, verse number one, heading to the second verse. It says this here, on the seventh day, God had finished his, what was that? Work of creation. So he rested from all of his work. You know, that that word there, work, in the Hebrew language that it was actually written in is the same ordinary like work word used throughout the Bible to refer to basically people doing work. It wasn't some superhuman natural word. It was like, on the seventh day, God finished his work of creation. So he rested from all of his work. I think it's important for us as we're building this foundation talking about taking your job and loving it. You have to realize God is a worker. God is a worker. Do you want to know why you have such a desire to take your life and give it to something important? And take a majority of your life and work on something? It's because of you're made in his image. You are made in the very Image of the of a God who works. He, he it's not like he's just sitting up there with his feet on some platform. You know, he's got the Son and the Spirit beside him. That they're just up there chilling, eating grapes, and being fanned. Like it, it says, like like he 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 worked. And he's like, you have a deep desire to work because of whose image. You are created, and God is a worker. God is a worker, and here's the thing. This matters because some of you wonder why you have this intrinsic value or, or kind of this intrinsic drive to, to want to work all the time, and yet it could be unhealthy reasons, but I would also say, say to you this. This is a healthy, God-given thing. But you see typically whenever you take a good god a good god god a good god-given desire and make it a god thing that's where it becomes distorted. Is when you take a good god-given desire, give it a wrong purpose in your life, that's where it eventually becomes what? Sin. It's 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 a distortion of a good desire. And that is what ultimately see we can We've got to make sure we've got terms right. When we're talking about sin, sin is, is not taking something bad and using it for bad purposes. It's taking something good that God created it and using it in a not God-purposeful place or God-purposeful way. That is essentially what sin is. And we're gonna be talking about that next Sunday when we're talking about how has work gone wrong. Okay, third, third, the third scripture in Genesis. So we have established God is good. That God is a worker. And and the thing is this, right? We can even see Jesus himself in John chapter 5, right? The apostle John, he he wrote this this, um, this eyewitness account of Jesus' life. And he actually recorded Jesus saying this. He said, my father is always at his work to this very day. And Jesus said about himself, I too am working. So here's the thing, we're laying this foundation here. God is good. God is a worker. And the third one's this, Genesis chapter two, verse number 15. It says this, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So God took, so God who, who, who is a worker created a man and put him in the garden to, he gave a job, gardening, like working. And I think it's important to note here, this was done before sin came into the world. So work was not the byproduct of sin or because there there is sin in the world, so you've got to have a job now. Work was actually, in the world, was actually a part of the perfect world that God created. It was a blessing. It was supposed to be something that not he's gotta do, he gets to do. That as a part of carrying on the good work of God on the planet, Adam was put there to carry on the work that God began. So there was a purpose behind his work. It was to carry on the good work that God started. There's a reason you crave purpose at your job. Because it's right here. God gave him purpose carry on what I began okay you can you can clap I'll I'll take a clap you know I'm a you know but hopefully that should almost blow your mind to be like that's why I desire a purpose at my job is because the original intent and purpose of work was to have purpose but you see the purpose wasn't to find his identity in his work his purpose wasn't to just overwork it was a very mundane thing it was gardening it wasn't like he was gonna be the CEO of his, I mean, it was just like, yo, it's just like just, just go and carry on the good work that I started and that I began. And the thing is this, right? I believe many Christians struggle when they don't feel this exact thing. So you go to your job, instead of being sent, you feel sentenced. Instead of you loving your job, you hate your job, but here's the thing. You, Adam's job was to carry on the good work that God began. So basically saying, complete what God started. Okay? Now, if Christians, if those that follow Christ would change their mindsets about work, realizing at your job, you can do this very same thing. You say, John, my company is nothing full of God whatsoever. I feel like I'm carrying on the work of Satan when I show up, right? Like I, feel like, I don't feel like there's any plan of God at my job. I feel like it's the plan of, you know... Nothing God is in this. But the thing is this though. That the point isn't about what you're doing, it's about who you're doing it for and why you're doing it. So many Christians focus so much on what they're doing and they completely miss the who they're doing it for and why they're doing it. And the thing is this, right? As a worker, as someone that has a job and that has been given that has been given a responsibility to steward a portion of someone's company, to steward a part of whatever you do, whatever work you do, that is something that has been given to you to steward. And steward simply means what? Managing what's been entrusted to you. Adam was given an entrustment by God to carry on the good work. What if you changed your mindset at work to be instead of, of that guy is my boss, I have been entrusted by God to steward this specific thing that I'm doing. would that not infuse a God-given, God-ordained purpose behind it that, do you know what? I get to come here and carry on the good work of God in this specific place, in this specific way. But this will only happen when when you actually see yourself as being sent by God. And that's the thing, is Christians, I believe, try to live their life, especially their jobs, so they can eventually die and go to heaven one day. We almost want to... Like hurry up and get this earth thing over with so we can then go and be, we can go to be in heaven. Well, I want to just remind you first off that what the what the actual Bible ends with is a new heavens and a new what? Earth. That Jesus is not wanting his people just to endure this planet and get it over with so we can go and be to heaven. Jesus is coming back. He coming back. So yes, he's going to come back and get us. It's the rapture. We don't know when or how. Even Jesus himself doesn't know. So why are we trying to figure out when Jesus is coming back, when even Jesus himself said only the Father knows the day and the time? I'm not sure. But Jesus said, I'm going to continue the work that I have. Yeah. But think Christians, want, where, where we get messed up is when we say we're trying to escape earth instead of saying we've been sent here. And here's the thing: we try to escape hell to get to heaven, and hell is this this like planet to get to heaven. When the thing is this, what Jesus prayed is that actually heaven would invade earth. He said, "My Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on as it is in." Essentially, saying you have been sent here to go into hellish places and bring heaven wherever you go. So you consider your job hell? You're a missionary. I don't want to hear that, Pastor John. <laughs> but that—that's—that's that's what Jesus's plan was, guys. Is to scatter, is to send, to to to, to say you won't be by yourself. You have the Spirit of God filling you. You have the Spirit of God living. The same Spirit that lived in Jesus Christ can live in you if you welcome Him and he'll fill you in, and he will give you the strength. He'll give you what to say. He will guide you, will lead you as you grow in discipline and endurance, as you grow in listening to the power of the Holy Spirit's voice inside of your, of your life. His goal is not to just sentence you to your job for, for 90,000 hours. It is to send you to be his representation to bring more of heaven into your job, which could be hell, but you're bringing heaven to earth do y'all see how that could potentially change the way you view your job? Where if, if you see, I have been given this job by God. Now, here's the thing. Here's what I'm not saying. Well, if you don't like your job, don't try to find something else. But, let me, but what I would say is, have you asked God about it? Because here's, here's the thing, right? I got convicted a few years back of not inviting God into my family planning. I was only saying what would be more convenient. Ah, you know what? I'm only have two kids. That's because I got two, and, and it feels like hell. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love my kids. All of that stuff up there was awesome. But honestly, I got convicted. Like, I didn't even ask Jesus about this. It was just what is convenient for me and what we want to do. Instead of saying, Holy Spirit, I'm going to invite you into my family planning. Maybe God wants us to have more than three. Kristen's like, that would have to be the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit would have to appear as a trinity in the sky, because Kristen's told me, if I get pregnant, I'm done, I'm staying home, nothing else. Okay, well, but what I'm encouraging you to do is to invite the Lord into your job. You probably haven't even invited him. To say, there will be times where God will call you to do hard things in hard places, not just so, so he can get glory, but so you can get something built inside of you that will prepare you for the next season. It was crazy. I was a youth pastor. I mean, I went through this insane season of working a full-time job, part-time youth pastoring, working, the job that I was working was 30 minutes in Williamsburg. I was youth pastoring 45 minutes away in Windsor. We, we, we had kids. Kristen was, I mean, it was an absolutely insane season that I look back on and say, I don't know if I could do one more day, but I look back on it, I was preparing me to church plant. I had no idea. To where it's like, when I was church planning, I was like, yo, this, I mean, this is hard, but, you know, I've worked 90 hours a week. You know, it's like, I've, but, but it was preparing. All I'm simply saying invite the Lord into your job decisions. But be careful. He might tell you something you don't want to hear, but what you need to hear. I'm not saying he won't release you to go and do something that might fit you better or that pays more. I'm not saying that at all. But just be careful. You, you are not gravitating towards convenience instead of gravitating towards the will of God for your life, because yeah, that voice of convenience will be loud and proud. But what you don't need to grow is not convenience. You might need a little discomfort. So, God gave work a purpose. That's why you crave purpose at your work. Okay, don't focus on the what of the work. I covered. I covered that. Now, Martin Luther King Jr. had this quote that I think really, really fits what I'm saying. Saying here is that bringing. Whatever job you have, not the what, but the who and the why, like bringing heaven into your job, he said this. Whatever your life's work is, do it well. Even if it does does not fall in the category of one of the so-called big professions, do it well. As one college president said, a man should do his job so well that the living, the dead, and the unborn could do it no better. If it falls to your lot to be a good street sweeper, sweep streets like Michelangelo painted, painted pictures like Shakespeare wrote poetry, like Beethoven composed music, sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper who swept his job well. Do you guys see the heart behind that? It's, it's, it's saying the what isn't as important as the who and the why. Your boss is just not your boss. You have a greater boss. His name is God. His name is Jesus. And you are not just working for your boss, you're working for someone higher than that. And then if you're going to actually honor the physical boss you have, it's going to be directly tied to you wanting to do what? Honor Jesus. Those two things are tied at the hip. Okay. God is a worker. First off, God is good. God is a worker. But the thing is today, I really felt like I needed to remind you that essentially God is a worker that gave you work so you could actually grasp or understand the work he's doing in you so I, I really felt today that to lay the groundwork for this series some of you needed to be reminded to t- today that, that God is a worker who's working in you because I believe that I mean I'm, and I mean honestly I got this at 6 six thirty this morning I was like, John, you have to say this because there are some people that are going to be here today that are going to feel like God has, like, left the job site. And you almost feel, feel like, you know, you know, it was kind of like a government job, <laughs> a, a government project. It's taken forever. It's, it's, it's like God, like I, I thought you were working. God, I felt like you were working in me in the kind of like early years of my Christianity, of following you, but now it just kind of feels like you're not there. And what I feel like I, I needed to tell you today is that God is a God who works, who has given you work, but through even your work, it will remind you of the kind of work God does in you. Is your job hard? Do you know how hard-headed you are? I'm speaking to myself. Do you work long hours at your job? Do you know how long it takes for us to change? So even through the work you do, if it's large, if if it's long, hard, (laughs) large, large, there you go. You're welcome. New word today. Welcome to LifeHouse. You can even, through your job, see and be reminded every day that how God is working in you. And you need to be reminded that God is working. And some of you are frustrated because you feel like you should be further along than you are. And you're like, man, you know what? I've just got, you know, God, where are you? And what I just felt, and, and I've said this before, but I felt like I needed to remind you that one of the things that we all have got to do to be reminded about how much God has done within us is to take time and look back and celebrate who we aren't anymore. Because here's the thing, if you are going on this journey and you're only seeing what you aren't, instead of taking time to look back and see who you aren't anymore, you'll never have this spirit of thankfulness. Like, like, you, you will, you, like you'll almost think, God isn't working in me no, no more. When it's like, no, if you look back to who you were, you'll see God's worked. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I was. Is anybody here grateful for what the Lord has done in you? Because some of y'all, I remember who you were when you came to Life House. I remember what relationship you were in. I remember the first thing you told me when you saw me. And and to see what God has done, you need to celebrate. You need to celebrate that God is working. But some of y'all need to be reminded that God is not done. He is not done. So here's the thing, Genesis chapter, Genesis chapter one, verse number two. This is, this is the final Genesis verse. You know, This is the second verse of the Bible. And this, you know, the first one is what? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it says, as the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, but the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And what I felt like the Lord told me to tell you today, it, it, and, and really whenever it says the earth was formless, Formless void, empty, and darkness. It's basically saying there was chaos and darkness. There was chaos and darkness, but the Spirit of God was hovering over, waiting for the Word. And what I felt like is that there are so many people here in this room, you feel like your life is, is darkness and chaos. But I, wonder, but I want to remind you the Spirit of God is sitting there waiting for the Word, waiting for your Word. Because it was God's word that spoke the world into existence. In the beginning, God God said, God said. He started speaking, and there was power in what he said. There was creative power. And what I felt like is is that some of you have darkness, whether it's in your work position, at your work. Like, there's this area and places of darkness and chaos. But I want to remind you, the spirit of God is hovering there, waiting for your words to speak. And almost inviting them to say, come and bring order beauty and goodness to this chaos that could be your life, could be at your job, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure it relates to work. This is the kind of God we have. That he is working, he will continue to work. Paul said this, Philippians 1, 6, he was right into this church, he planted, it had been a few years before, before he had been back, he said, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns what he's saying is is the work's going to be your whole life the work that God does in you will be a work that will be your whole life so get used to the work know you are a piece of work <laughs> that is fully known by God and fully loved fully known and fully loved And this is the good work. Y'all, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a work that God did for you and there's a work that God does in you. The work that God did for you is instantaneous. The work that God does in you is continual throughout your whole life. The work that God did for you is the work that Jesus did on the cross, in your place, and for your sin that you could not do. You could not live perfect. You would have been a terrible sacrifice. But Jesus lived the perfect life you could not live, died the death you should have died, in your place and for your sin, rose and defeated Satan, sin and death on the third day. And then, and then what he says is put your faith and trust in me to receive new life in Christ by grace through faith, meaning grace you cannot earn it, it's freely received. Faith means it takes trust. That's what he did for you that you could not do. That's the work he did for you. But then there's a the work that he does in you that is exactly what Paul is saying here, that there's a work that he begins that will be completed when you die. So, But then the thing is, is this why right? Paul also said this in Ephesians 2. You can come up, Jarvis. Ephesians 2. This is what Paul said. He said, for, for we, and he's talking about Jesus followers. He said, we are his workmanship, like his, his craftsmanship. And that word, the, the Greek word there is actually the Greek word poema, which is where we get the word poem. It's like we are his masterpiece. We are his artwork. We are his his craftsmanship, his handiwork, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He was saying God is working, and as he is working in you, he is creating you to literally be his masterpiece. And I, I I just felt, as we're talking about work, yeah, look, God's good. He's a worker. He put man to work to find purpose in his work, but I just felt like I needed to sum today up by reminding you that God that is a worker is working in you. And through your work, you can actually feel and see the kind of work that God is doing. It's long, it's hard, but it's worth it. And so as, as we're laying the foundation for this series, we're to the book of Genesis. See a God who works. Gave Adam a job, said, you're going to work. You, you go and, you're going to be a gardener, a mundane task. Many of you have mundane jobs. But then gave him a purpose is to carry out the goodness that God started to bring heaven to earth. And then as he was doing, doing that, it's like we can see how God works in us. Would you stand up with me?
0: Thank you again for joining us today. If you need prayer, have any questions about what you just heard, or said yes to Jesus, please reach out to us at LifeHouseNN.com or text 757-690-2401. We'd love the opportunity to pray for you and help guide you through the next step in your faith journey. In the meantime, we hope you'll join us next Sunday online or in person. For service times, visit LifeHouseNN.com.